1: with Rick Lowiza
2: Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old school basketball to a new school audience. And today, we bring you the story of Muggsy Bogues. Now, this is a story that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. In fact, it was one of my very first story ideas when we started this podcast three years ago. And even though I grew up as a Lakers fan, I have been always been taken by Muggsy and the way he played. I mean, he is one of those players that most basketball fans can relate to and it is obvious why his height. The man is only 5'3 or 160 centimeters. He was a guy that fans could relate to. And I hope that that makes sense. When we see guys like Giannis, Jordan, Kareem, or Vince Carter, we see players who not only have height but off the charts athleticism. It is very difficult to relate to these players because they live in a world that is beyond what most of us have ever experienced. We become envious that these players won the genetics lottery and were given bodies practically designed to be successful at basketball. But let us put athleticism aside for a moment and let us just talk about height. To be a person who reaches the height of seven feet or taller puts that person on the extreme end of the bell curve on height. In fact, in today's world of over 7.5 billion people, there are only around 2,800 or 3,000 people who are seven feet tall or taller. That is an extremely tiny portion of the total population. Let me put it this way. On average, only one out of every 2.5 5 million people reaches the height of 7 feet. That is how rare it is to be 7 feet tall, and the NBA has nearly 70 of them in the league right now. Again, it is extremely difficult to relate to this, but to relate to a person who is only 5 foot 3 is incredibly easy. He sees things from the same perspective as the rest of us. And that is one of the reasons why he was so popular with kids. Because he is the same height as a kid. When Muggsy first entered the NBA, I was still in middle school and was already taller than him. That is what people love so much about Muggsy. Is that because of his height, he seemed like a regular person. He did not have to have custom tailored clothes or shoes like many NBA players do. He did not have to have special seats installed in his car to accommodate extreme height. Like Shaq has to do. He represented a regular person, just like me, who fantasized about playing in the NBA, but he actually did it. With extremely short height, he broke through and played 14 seasons in the NBA. Now, he was never an all-star or in the hall of fame. He did not even make an all-NBA team. He never led the league in assists or steals, but by any reasonable measure, he had a very successful NBA career. The average career in the NBA lasts only 2.5 years. So playing for 14 is almost six times the length of an average career. And because of his outgoing personality, he landed a great number of endorsements and he was in the movie Space Jam. He was one of the five players who had their talent stolen by the Monstars, along with Charles Barkley, Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, and Patrick Ewing. But it was never easy for Muggsy, not by a long shot. He had to prove himself at every level of basketball. No matter how well he played in youth basketball, he was doubted in high school. No matter how well he played in high school, he was doubted in college. And again, no matter how well he played in college, he was doubted in the NBA. That is a testament to Muggsy's perseverance. He had to change the minds of nearly everybody at every level he played. About the only people who believed in him were his teammates who knew quite well what Muggsy brought to the court. But I want to take this story back to the beginning when Muggsy was a kid in the inner city of Baltimore, and I will share that right after this break.
0: Items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sports ROW number one for access to the full row one catalog and for gallery prints and gift items. Plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the row one Pictorum gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes.
2: Welcome back to the show, and let us continue with the story of Muggsy Bogues. As I mentioned before the break, he grew up in the inner city of Baltimore in a very rough neighborhood. The sounds of gunshots became a normal part of the background noise of living in the Lafayette Court housing projects. Murders took place regularly where he grew up. Now, as a kid, he even witnessed a murder take place while he was walking down the street. And that took me back to my own childhood. Now, I have never witnessed a murder, but I have witnessed other crimes in progress while I was a kid. And the best thing that a kid can do is to pretend to not have seen anything. Do not even look at the perpetrators. Just keep your head down and keep walking and maybe pick up the pace a little. But do not run because that only brings attention to yourself. Only run when you hear gunfire. Now, let us get back to Muggsy. As I have mentioned, he is 5 foot 3 and is still the shortest player in NBA history by 2 inches. The next shortest player ever was Earl Boykins at 5 foot 5. Then it was Spud Webb and Keith Jennings both at 5 foot 7. But it is not hard to figure out where Muggsy got his height or lack of height. His mother Elaine is only 4 foot 11 and his father Richard is 5 foot 6. His siblings are all roughly the same height as Muggsy. I mean, when you have two short Parents, you're going to get a bunch of short kids. But something that Muggsy did have, which is the key to him making the NBA was extreme speed. He could run faster baseline to baseline than nearly every other player around. He had Allen Iverson type speed and he had to have that to be successful. Obviously, he was at a disadvantage in height so that only way for him to be successful is to outrun the taller players down court. Also, because of his compact size, he was able to change directions faster than any other player. He could get his defender moving one way and then Muggsy would change direction on a dime and give himself the space necessary to either shoot the ball or make a pass for an easy basket. And he had a 44-inch vertical leap when he made the NBA. That meant that he could touch the rim and even dunk a tennis ball. Now, not even Kobe Bryant or Vince Carter had 44-inch verticals. My point in saying all of this is this. While Muggsy Bogues did not have the height that people would typically associate with being in the NBA, Muggsy did have superior athleticism in other areas, like speed jumping ability, and the changing of direction. In those areas, he was superior to the typical NBA athlete. Because if you do not have height, then you have to have something. For Bugsy Bugs, he had pretty much everything else you could want for an NBA player, and that is why he stayed in the league for 14 years. Now let us get back to his childhood. Growing up, there was another kid his same age who also lived in the Lafayette Court housing projects, and he is still Muggsy's best friend in the whole world. And his name is Reggie Williams. You might remember that name. He played 10 years in the NBA, mostly for the Denver Nuggets and the LA Clippers. Now making it to the NBA is nearly impossible statistically speaking. Only one in every 8,000 high school basketball players will play in the NBA. The odds are not good. But to have two kids who were best friends since childhood both grow up to make the NBA, well that's nearly unheard of. But it is probably what helped both of them to stay out of trouble. They had each other and they kept each other focused on basketball. Now, heading into high school, the school to go to as a basketball player was Dunbar High, which had a very strong reputation and an excellent coach. The coach had already won four Maryland State titles before Muggsy even got there. Unfortunately for Muggsy, he had to start his high school career at Southern High School due to unusual zoning in that part of Baltimore. He practically lived across the street from Dunbar, but had to take the bus to Southern. He wanted to transfer badly to Dunbar, but the only way to do that back then was to claim that you wanted to study courses that were not offered at Southern. And there were some courses at Dunbar that Southern did not have. Dunbar offered courses in being a dental technician, so Muggsy claimed that he wanted to take dental technician courses and that allowed him to transfer to Dunbar where he could play with his friends. But that took two years to make happen. That meant that Muggsy had to play two seasons at a school he did not want to play for and for a coach that did not really appreciate or understand Muggsy's skills. The coach only saw someone who was just far too short to be taken seriously as a basketball player. Well, by junior year, he was able to transfer to Dunbar and rejoin his best friend, Reggie Williams, who was able to make his own transfer happen much earlier. Now here's the thing about those Dunbar teams of the early 1980s, they would destroy anyone when they had two future NBA players in the team. I mean, any high school with two future NBA players has a serious talent advantage. But Dunbar actually had two other future NBA players on the team as well. One was David Wingate, who played 15 years in the NBA, including a few years in Charlotte, where he once again teamed up with Muggsy. And there was also Reggie Lewis, who became an NBA all-star and captain of the Boston Celtics. That amount of talent is almost too much to wrap your head around. Four future NBA players on one high school team is incredible. Those Dunbar teams could dominate everyone at four out of the five positions. And the fifth starter, David Wood, was no slouch of a player. He could handle himself quite well at the high school level. That 1982 Dunbar team demolished all competition. They had a perfect record of 28-0 and and won the Maryland state championship the fifth one for their coach and at that point David Wingate who was a year older graduated and moved on to Georgetown to play for Hall of Fame coach John Thompson but Muggsy and the two Reggies were returning for senior year now that is still way more talent than any other high school in the entire state of Maryland for their senior year they went 31-0 and and none of their games were even close they brought a sixth title to their coach. Reggie Williams averaged 24 points and 13 rebounds that season, enough to get offers from schools all over the East Coast. But he decided to follow his old teammate, David Wingate, to also play for Georgetown University. And that made sense since Georgetown is not that far of a drive because it is located in Washington DC, which is a fairly short distance from Baltimore. Reggie Lewis decided to accept a scholarship to Northeastern University located in Boston. He would play right under the noses of the Celtics who would later draft him. As for Muggsy, he accepted a scholarship from Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. For Muggsy, it was going from the inner city to the country, and it was an enormous adjustment for him. If you have ever been to Winston-Salem, then you know that it is a city of 250,000 people, so it's not exactly the country. But according to Muggsy Bogues from his own autobiography, anything that is not the inner city is the country. The adjustment for Muggsy was not so much in terms of basketball. He always felt that he played with more talented players on his high school team than he did at Wake Forest. And he's probably right about that. No, the bigger adjustment for him was adjusting to the culture shock and the academic rigor of a private university. But I will cover his time at Wake Forest and his NBA career in part two of our profile on Muggsy Bogues. And that will be next time on Basketball History 101 part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Chester Year. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon.
1: Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are...